In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, so today, God willing, we're going to continue studying uh, in the, the book of His Holiness, uh, Pope Shenouda III, uh, about uh, overcoming the, ab about the diabolic wars. The diabolic wars, as we have been saying, um, is the wars that Satan wars against us, um, as he's always fighting us in the spiritual warfare. We also mentioned this uh, today in the sermon, speaking about how the devil does not leave us alone, and especially in the end times, as kind of his attacks on us continue to get uh, worse and worse, and we find ourselves maybe um, struggling because we feel like we are always being attacked. And so we spoke about, in His, Holies, his Holiness's book, um, we spoke about how some of the ways that the devil continues to attack us, um, and we went through that for several weeks. God willing, today we're going to speak a little bit about how to overcome uh, the wars that the devil uh, assails us with. The first point that His Holiness mentions um, is for us to be aware and know that overcoming um, the warfare is possible. Because if we believe that um, there is no way for us to overcome this warfare, then we will give up and we will make no effort to try to overcome. If I feel like I've already lost a battle, then what's the point of even trying to fight? And sadly, sometimes people have this mentality, like that no matter what I do, I will not be able to overcome. Or some people might say, well, I know I'm going to go to hell. Uh, no matter what I do, I'm going to hell. You know, which is of course not a, not a very encouraging thought, N not, not a motivating thought, not something that makes me feel like, well, I need to push and I need to fight. You know, why would someone who knows they've lost the battle inconvenience themselves and struggle to fight? No, actually what they would seek is just comfort, comfort in the world, you know, whatever way I can find some kind of ease, escape, you know, take my mind off of my worries, take my mind off of my struggles, whatever it is that's going to help me to, to, to stop thinking about this, um, that's what I will do, right? Even if it leads me to uh, addiction, even if it leads me to, you know, something that is even very harmful for me. So, and this is one of the ways that the devil attacks us, as we mentioned before, is he wants us to believe that there is no way to overcome, right? That he is, no matter what we do, we will always fail. So the first thing that is necessary for us to overcome the diabolic wars is to remember that God is the one who has given us the power to overcome, right? We are not fighting him by ourselves. He said, what? I have given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy, meaning there is no way for me to overcome him, which is true. It is not possible for me to overcome. It is possible for God to over overcome working through me. And we're studying in the Bible study in the book of Joshua, and we've spoken about all these different ways that God manifests himself through the people in all of the battles that he calls the people to fight. And whenever the people who are, you know, very powerful in the sense that every time they go and they war against anyone, they win. They're always winning, winning, winning all the time. But whenever they sinned against the God and God did not go with them, they lose. When they went and fought against the city of Ai for the first time, um, because a member of the congregation had sinned, so God did not go with them in the battle, and they immediately lost the battle, right? Whereas all of the other times when the people were right with God, whenever they would go and fight in the battle, they would have victory after victory after victory. So the, the overcoming is possible. It is possible for us to have victory because God is the one who is powerful. God is the one who is with us. 
The next uh, thing we should remember or, or, uh, about overcoming the diabolic wars is that we should not be afraid. Okay, we should not be afraid. The devil has no authority over us, and sometimes we are afraid of the future, right? What is it that is to come? What is it that I'm going to experience in the future? Maybe we see that there are a lot of people in the world that suffer all kinds of tragedies and sufferings and pain, and when we see these things happening, even if those things are not happening to me in the moment, I'm worried because this life is so, uh, you know, is filled, filled with such suffering that I'm worried that this might be me in the future. This might be me who this is happening to in the future. So the devil is always trying to sow within us a fear that paralyzes us, that makes us not want to act, that makes us feel like, uh, I, how can I trust God when God is allowing all of these things to happen to all these people? And I see, well, some of these people are very good and righteous people. These are people that go to church. These are people that serve. These are people that, you know, forgive and are kind and, and are always doing good. How is it that God is allowing such suffering for them? And that makes me to be afraid. Maybe that makes me to lose hope and feeling like I don't want to struggle. I don't want to overcome, you know, I don't know how to overcome these fears. I don't know how to overcome like the terror that comes on me as a result of seeing what is in the world. And when Christ actually came and brought comfort to the people, he never told them that you would not experience certain kinds of suffering. And maybe part of the problem is we kind of have a false expectation. You know, how many times have we said or have we heard other people say, you know, why is God allowing such and such to happen to me? Um, I pray all the time and I fast and I do this and this. Why is God allowing such things to happen to me? As though somehow that the things that are happening are a punishment or the things that are happening is because of God's negligence, you know, or that if we are righteous people, then that means that it's like a guarantee that we will experience no suffering in the world. Actually, we see in the lives of all of the prophets and apostles and the saints we see people who were righteous, and yet they experienced much suffering. The thing that's maybe different about them is that they did not seek consolation from the world. They did not find comfort in the world. They did not find comfort in the things that are in the world. So for that reason, even when they experienced suffering, the greatest source of comfort for them was God himself. And actually God said to Abraham, he told him, I am your exceedingly great reward. I like God is the reward. What is the reward of Abraham? What is it that Abraham received at the end of his life? You know, like God gave him all these promises. He gave him a covenant. He told him that you will be a father of many nations and, you know, your children will be like um, the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky. But by the time Abraham died, he did not receive any of these things. By the time he died, his family was very small. He traveled from place to place and obeying God and you know, when God told him, sacrifice your son on the altar, he did so, you know. Uh, he did everything that God told him to do. And by the end of his life, what is it that he could say that, that, that he had to show for? He didn't have the fullness of the promise that God had promised him. We know that generations later it came to be, but he himself did not see it with his own eyes. So God told him, I am your exceedingly great reward. Simply to be in my presence, to have me with you that I am the source of your comfort, that God with us is a source of comfort so that we should not be afraid. So 
this is always what we have to remember whenever we are dealing with the struggles in the world, whenever we're dealing with demonic attacks, the temptations that's in the world, we should not be afraid. We should know that God is our exceedingly great reward. God is the one who is with us. God is the one who is protecting us. So there is nothing for us to fear. And we, of course, know that ultimately the victory has already been won in God and that there is no question of who is to win the battle, right? The battle is already won and God is the victor and we are on his side. Also, we should keep in mind that resisting the devil is necessary for us to overcome these wars, meaning we can't just, you know, lift up our hands and say, um, you know, there's nothing I can do. You know, there's nothing within my power. There's nothing within my ability to do. Again, the book of Joshua shows us like a perfect example of the cooperation between God and man. In every way, God and man are cooperating together. And it's very difficult to even point your finger and say what was the work of God and what was the work of man. They both work in a synergy, right? They both work in a synergy. We see uh, the famous example of when um, the, the, the Israelites are fighting um, the, the, their enemies and Moses is on a mountain praying for their victory and Joshua is on the ground fighting in the battle. And if Moses doesn't lift up his hands in prayer, the people lose. And if he lifts us up in prayer, the people win. This is an example of God and man working. Because if the people didn't fight, they would lose. But if the people fight without the blessing of God, they also would lose, right? So both have to be present. We must, in this resistance, as we are resisting the devil, do two things. The first one is from a spiritual kind of perspective, and the second one is a physical perspective. The spiritual perspective is, I call upon God to be my aid. I call upon God to give me the strength to overcome sin. I call upon God to sanctify my mind so that temptation is not um, alluring to me. So the things that the devil tempts me with, I look at them in disgust, not to look at them with attraction. You know, when, when, when we think about some of the things that attract us that are sinful, these are things that we should hate. These are things that when we see them and when we hear about them, it should repulse us. But the reason it does not repulse us the reason it might even be attractive to us is because we, have cor we are corrupted. We have a weak nature, a corrupted nature. The, the, s the lust of the flesh seeks after those things that are corrupt, right? The deadness that is in us seeks after the dead things that are in the world, okay? So th the, the first thing to do to resist the devil is to pray, is to ask the strength of God, is to, is to you know, partake of his body and blood, is to do all these spiritual things that we're always talking about that are necessary to do. But if we do that alone and we don't put any other effort and we just expect that God is going to magically work to remove um, any temptation and to protect us from sin, no, then this also is not enough. Because just like Joshua had to fight, it wasn't sufficient for Moses to pray. But Joshua also had to fight. We have to think, what are the things that I can do to um, resist? What are the things that I can do? How do I orient my life such that the sins that I commit are more difficult to commit? You know, How do I spend my time? What do I allow uh, my eyes to look at? What is my schedule? Um, wh who, who is it that I, that I talk with? Who is it that I spend my time with? Maybe other people around me are a source of temptation for me. We look at Joseph the righteous whenever he was put in a situation to be tempted with the wife of Potiphar. We see that he ran, you know. Sometimes that is the thing that we think that we shouldn't do. Or we think that if we are strong Christians, then we shouldn't run 
we should just stay where we are and God is going to give me strength to overcome temptation and I'm going to do this when God is going to give me strength to overcome. But actually, maybe we are fooling ourselves. We are tricking ourselves because we are not strong, right? We are, we are weak. You know, Christ likens us to sheep who are not able to protect themselves. So if the wolf comes when there is no shepherd to protect the sheep, the, the sheep will be consumed, you know? Uh, Christ did not liken us as his people to like ferocious animals who are able to protect ourselves. He likened us to dumb animals that can do nothing for themselves, right? Which is like a tell us something about who we are, right? In our own estimation, we think ourselves to be wise. In our own estimation, we think ourselves to be, to be strong. But in, in, in God's view, what we are is just these sheep, okay? So, so resisting the devil oftentimes requires that we run away, that there is nothing else that I can do but run away, run away from the source of sin. And again, if the sin is related to my senses, how do I place myself in a, you know, in a situation where I don't allow my senses to be exposed? And a lot of times people will say, like, I like this TV show, and the TV show is really great, but there's certain scenes in it that are bad, and those things, like, they cause me to fall into lust, say. Okay, well... I'm allowing myself to see it, right? Like, like I can't, and then we say, maybe, yes, but I'm strong so that if I see these things that I'm not going to fall into temptation. Well, how do you know this? Like, and, and especially when we know many times in the past that it actually did happen, right? So even when we have a track record of falling into temptation, somehow each time we think ourselves strong to, 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 to keep from falling, right? But this is kind of us fooling ourselves. So there's the spiritual aspect of the prayer and asking for the strength of God. There's also the physical aspect of resisting. How do I give, I, I have to sacrifice something. I have to cut off something in order for me to, to, to remain pure um, and holy. The next point he mentions is that it should be done with faith, right? It is the faith that God is working in us. It is faith that God is able to to, to, to help us to resist the power of the enemy. Um, and this is the faith that, say, King David was able to slay Goliath. You know, anyone with the human mind could look at this, the situation with David and Goliath and say there is no way that David could win. This is why, actually, when all of the other soldiers and when King Saul saw that King David was coming and he had this zeal and this determination and this faith, He's like, no, I will go up against him, you know. All of the armies of Israel were afraid to go up against Goliath, and yet with faith, King David thought to himself, no, I can, I can defeat him. You know, who is this man as compared to the people of God, you know? He had such faith in God that no, he knew that no one could stand up against him, right? And so he didn't, he didn't even want armor. He didn't want any sword or weapons. All he had was his slingshot, and he went there. And, of course, we know that in one hit, Goliath fell, right? And the reason that he was able to defeat Goliath is because he had faith, and his faith is what allowed God to work in him, right? Sometimes, you know, even when we pray, we pray without faith. Like we pray w still with terror. We pray still with doubt. We pray still with, with like no real belief that our prayers are even being heard. We're praying just because we know we're supposed to pray. Whereas a prayer with faith it's like, I believe that God is hearing these words. And I believe that if God chooses to act according to, to my request, then he will act. And this is a big part of what we believe. 
you know, there's places in the scripture where it says, um, I don't remember what city it was, but it says that Christ went to a certain region and he was unable to perform any miracles there because of the lack of faith of the people. And it actually uses the word that he was unable, you know, like almost indicating like he was trying to do miracles and they weren't working. Like, like that's kind of the, the, the language that's used is that he was not able because no one there had faith, right? Whereas those people who had faith, God was able to do all kinds of things with them. Like St. Peter was able to walk on the water, right? Because he believed that he could. He said, you know, if this is you, call out to me and I will come to you on the water. It took great faith for him to do that. Now, of course, we know that after he got on the water, he his faith began to waver. He saw the danger that was around him. His faith began to waver. And so what happened? He began to sink. So when he began to sink, is it because the power of God was no longer effective? Is it because God was unable at that point to keep him up on the water because it had been too long? What is it that changed? The only thing that changed was the faith of Peter. It did, nothing else changed, right? So maybe we are asking God, and maybe we find that maybe our, our, our requests are not being answered. I have to ask myself, maybe I'm not asking with faith. Do I really believe that God can do this? Or am I just saying this? As the man whose son was demon-possessed and Christ told him that if you have faith, I can heal him, the man said what? I believe, help my unbelief. You know, like he was even asking for God to give him the faith that was needed in order for him to ask with faith. And this is something we should all ask for. We should ask God, we tell him, I don't have faith as I should. You know, I read your words and I find it hard to believe them. I find it hard to believe them in my life. I can believe about events that happened to other people long ago, but to believe that you can actually be in my life and solve my problems, the problems that I have no, no idea or sense of even how they could be solved, the problems that seem more difficult than, than my ability to even wrap my mind around them, give me faith to believe that you are able to be and to solve and to, and to, and to, to give me comfort. And this will bring comfort even if the solution does not come, right? If we believe that God is in control of something, even when things are going a direction we do not want, this in itself brings comfort because we know that God is in control of it. It's not out of control. It's not something that's going to go in a direction that's harmful to me because in the end, God is doing all things for my good, even if they're not, um, they're not what I would prefer, right? So, so when we fight against these demonic attacks, we have to fight in faith. I believe, God, that you can grant me victory. I believe that you can grant me victory over my sins. I believe that you can sanctify my mind and my eyes. I believe that even though I have addiction, you are able to break the addiction, right? And in this faith, when we pray in faith, um, God will respond. Number five, in order to fight against the demonic attacks, we have to do so with humility. You know, St. Anthony, whenever the demons would come and attack him, um, he would he would cast them out with his humility because because he 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 didn't attribute any strength to himself you know he didn't um, he, he didn't say that he was strong and he was able to defeat them but he humbled himself and said God is the one who's going to defeat defeat you okay whenever the demons would gather around them he would say to him say to them you strong what do you want with me who am weak and he said, save me, O God, from those who think I am of any worth. 
though I am too weak to fight even the youngest of them, like even the, the youngest of the demons, I am too weak to fight any of them. And when the demons would hear him, and, and not just hear the words, but that he was really sincere in that belief, and he was sincere in, in what he was saying, that they would not endure it, and they would vanish from before him because of his humble demeanor, because he understood that he was small, right? That he was not the one who was the warrior. He was not the one who was the fighter. He was simply the one who received the grace from God that then was able to vanquish the enemy. So humility is a virtue that the demons cannot bear. And whenever we are tempted and we turn to God in humility and we say to God, God, I am unable on my own to conquer these sins. I am unable to conquer these demonic attacks. Grant me strength so that I will be able to overcome them. This prayer, right, is a powerful prayer that demonstrates that humility. And before this kind of prayer, um, the demons vanish because they are not able to fight against us. Their sin is the sin of pride in believing that they can take the place of God, in believing that they can conquer God, in believing they can destroy the children of God. But when we come with humility, we're able to stand against them. Number six, we are able to overcome the diabolic wars through wisdom and discernment, okay? When we receive some kind of thought in our mind, we have to examine that thought and understand its motivation and its source. Why am I thinking the way that I am thinking? And why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Sometimes the devil will put in us an irrational emotion. He'll put some irrational feeling in us that even when we examine it, we look at it and we say, this is irrational. This is an irrational fear. This is an irrational lust. This is an irrational desire. Something is irrational. And yet, as we all know how strong our emotions are, sometimes we are driven by our emotions even when we know that they are irrational because they are so powerful. And so when we get these feelings or we get these thoughts that are irrational, we have to take a moment and stop and say, what is the source of this? Is this something that um, is, is rational? Is it something that is godly? It is something that is from God? Or is it something that is from the enemy? He's trying to create within me divisions between me and another person. Or he's trying to make me to make a, a poor decision. Or fall into lust. Or to sin against God in some way. So many times the reason that we sin is, is, is in response to a desire that we have. And I should ask myself, is the desire even good? Maybe the desire will lead me into destruction, you know? And it's something that we definitely have to take time. And, 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 and this is one of the, the benefits of accountability and confession. When I have these thoughts that are very difficult for me to discern and myself because I am very emotional about them or I have a strong desire I go and I take it to my father of confession and I say, these are the thoughts that I've, ha I've been having. What do you think about these thoughts? And then he can tell me, no, these thoughts are either not sin, maybe we think something is sin is not, or these, no, these thoughts are very dangerous and you shouldn't follow these thoughts or go after what these thoughts are telling you to do because that will lead you into destruction. You know, um, The wars of the, of the devil are common to all of us. And sometimes when people come to confess, they think that somehow their sin or the thoughts that they're struggling with are unique to them and that nobody else has the same experience. Nobody else struggles in the same way. When actually the priest has heard all of the exact same struggles 
and, and the same confessions and the same problems for many, many people. And he sees the outcome, right? He sees those who made good choices, what is the outcome? And those who made poor choices, what is the outcome? He also sees things that take time, you know? Maybe there's something that I'm doing right, but I'm not going to see the fruit of it for another 10 years. 10 years that I have to keep doing the right thing. And then after 10 years, I will see the fruit. And so the person who is in the midst of the struggle, not seeing the fruit, loses faith and loses, you know, becomes impatient or feels like maybe what I'm doing is useless, not helpful. But actually he can, someone who is objective, who's looking at this person, says, no, if you keep going in this direction, you will succeed. You will have victory. Keep doing this. Keep fighting this. On the other hand, you can also see poor decisions and how the, the small poor decisions that a person might make early in this process can eventually lead to a catastrophe. And yet, because that catastrophe has not happened yet, the person doesn't realize it. They think that this is just innocent. They think that it's not going to result in some big issue later on. And again, a wise third party can look at this and say, no, if you keep going in this direction, you are you're going to destroy your life, you know? Um, so having wisdom and discernment. Don't trust yourself, right? The scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? None of us should trust ourselves because if someone who is wise and godly comes to me and says, you are going in a wrong direction, then maybe I should listen and not listen to my heart because my heart can deceive me and my heart can often be corrupted through temptation and through the attacks of Satan, whereas this wise counsel that I'm receiving is there to save me from destruction. So we should always be willing to listen to godly counsel and not just listen to our own hearts. Which is this one? Number seven. So I'm going to skip it. <laughs> um, watchfulness. Watchfulness, which is what we discussed in the, s in the gospel reading today when, when Christ was saying to us all about all these warnings that are going to come in the end times and how we should be watchful. Being watchful means that I don't let my guard down. You know, like if you think of the imagery of a city, like a fortified city, and in this fortified city there are towers and you have the watchmen, right? The watchmen are the people that don't sleep. They are the ones that remain awake. While everyone else is sleeping, they are not sleeping. They are awake and attentive and alert and looking around. Right, So that when the first sight of the enemy, they will be able to sound the alarm and everyone to wake up so that they can be saved, so that they can defend themselves against this enemy that is coming. But if everyone is asleep and there is no watchman, then while we are all slumbering, the enemy will come, they will break the doors of the gate, they will enter into the city, and they will destroy us. Right? This is why Christ said that we should be watchful. Watchful means that I don't let my guard down and live a lax life. That my life should always be disciplined and I shouldn't trust myself. Right? Shouldn't trust myself. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the story of St. Jacob the Struggler. Um, just as a quick review, he was a saintly monk. He was able to cast out demons. Um, uh, they brought to him a princess um, for him to cast out demons. He was able to cast out the demon. Um, but when she would go back to her home, the demon would return, and this kept happening. So they allowed the demon, the, the princess, to live with St. Jacob. And because of their constant kind of um, like presence with each other, they fell into sin with each other. Um, him seeing what he did, he was ashamed of himself, and he didn't want anyone to know. 
So he killed her and hid the body and told the people that she ran off and he doesn't know where she went, right? This was the outcome of the life of this saint. Of course, he repented later on. But this is th the outcome of this saint's holiness was because he let his guard down. The discipline here is what I should not allow myself to be alone with a woman, right, as the monk. should not allow myself. I shouldn't think to myself, well, because I'm a saint and because I'm strong and because the thoughts of lust do not uh, conquer me and, and because I'm very spiritual, then I will allow myself to let my guard down and to do the things that, you know, maybe for another person it would not be wise, but for me it's okay because I am, I am better, I am stronger, right, than, than the other person. Right? That is a problem because the moment we let our guard down and we begin to uh, allow ourselves to, to do things that, you know, that maybe we think we are strong enough to endure, and even for a good cause. I mean, the reason he did this was because he was casting out this demon from this woman. He wasn't doing it for a selfish reason, right? And yet, in the end, it led to his fall. So being watchful means that we do not let our guard down. When the church arranges for us fasting, for instance, fasting throughout the year, even fasting every week of the year on Wednesdays and Fridays, because we are saying, I want to always be watchful. I want to always be disciplined. I want to teach myself to control myself, to have some kind of discipline. When we speak about having a spiritual canon, like I need to read the Bible every day, I need to read spiritual book, I need to pray every day, this is again discipline, being watchful. I don't want to wait until I'm in a situation where I've already fallen and then I try to correct it. No, I want to be watchful and cautious all the time. I think this is a good stopping point for today. Um, next time, God willing, we'll continue speaking about a few more points. Um, and then finally, we'll conclude by some of the benefits, actually, of the diabolic wars. That the, the wars against us are not all bad. That there is actually a benefit when God allows us to, um, to be fought by, by the devil. Does anyone have any comments or questions? before we conclude? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O God, that you always make us to be aware of all the fights of the enemy against us. Teach us, O Lord, how to stand before him, that and by your grace that we conquer him. Teach us, O Lord, to hate sin and to continue to struggle to the end, fighting against it, and that through your power, O God, we can have victory and we can draw closer to you day by day. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.